0: here we go we're into 2019 now and uh, one of our first uh, uh, one of our first people we got on the show this week is Mr Thomas Bassett he is an outstanding member of the modern man club um, and a, a personal trainer and he's someone that I've just kind of like spoken quite a lot to within the community and picked up on something and just wanted to have a, a private telephone call with him. And when I did that, I asked him how he got to where he is now and out came probably one of the most inspirational stories I've had the pleasure to listen to, which is saying something, being an, in, an inspirational speaker. I've spent the last three years listening to all kinds of people telling their stories on stage. Uh, this one kind of blew me away a little bit and I just thought it's so powerful and not just because of what happened to you, but mainly, kind of ha- what you're doing now and and the-, the the process that you used to overcome what you did um, to-, to be where you are now, I think is has got loads of value to offer to our listeners. So, Mister Bassett, say hello, introduce yourself, tell us who you are, what you do, um, and then we'll get into it.
1: Okay, hi guys. Uh, so, as Fidel said, and uh, very humbled by that little introduction. Um, yeah, I, uh, I. I help people get fit. I uh, try and find out what makes, uh, what makes them go. And then I promote that within themselves. I just really try and work on the person. Um, I find fitness is a great gateway into their mental mind and yep. how they build on that. And then the more they can see their progression through their fitness and their weight loss and yeah. their actual just personal feelings suddenly the the mental health then starts kicking in but fitness is a gateway into a a lot of mental health well-being
0: amen to that and that is one of our kind of like fundamental principles with 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 the modern man movement and what we're trying to do and what we'll be doing more of this year working with gym owners and personal trainers to to bring that philosophy uh to to a bigger audience and um hopefully you're going to be a part of that as well so Listen, I just want you to, <laughs> to to kind of like start from the beginning and and just just tell us the story, mate. Uh, really, of, of of what happened to you and how you got to to where you are. It started with the army, didn't
1: it? It started with uh, ambitions. Um, I was a yeah. ambitions. Uh, I've always been a very focused uh, young man, and I'll go. I'll go back a little bit further into the story, Fidel. Okay. So. When I was uh, 16, I was playing good level school rugby. I was playing good level club rugby as well. Yeah. And my dream and ambition uh, was to play England rugby. Nice. And at the time, Neil Back was the England number seven, and he was my idol. I used to match his game. I'd watch England play for hours and hours, and I'd try and replicate his game on the pitch for me.
0: I love that. Modelling.
1: And I got... Yeah. And um, I got through to county rugby and then I was fortunate to get through to under 17 England trials for schools uh, and unfortunately I was told I was too short um, so that was really that was really annoying and after that I found that my middle brother he was actually in the Royal Marines well he was training to be in the Royal Marines and we went to one of their open days down at CTC and I met his corporal and uh, he said to me you to know, join the Royal Marines I said no nope, I'm going to play rugby I'm, I'm going to play rugby, I'm going to get to England, <laughs> get to counting, all that sort of stuff. It's like, well, you do know most of the England players or high level rugby players have been ex royal Marines. And that just sat at the back of my head. It didn't do anything. It just, all right, that's interesting, nice to know, thanks very much. Um, it's
0: funny how some, sometimes people do give you a sentence that yeah, stays with you sometimes, is not it?
1: Absolutely. It just sat in my head, but I just put it to one side and thought, it doesn't matter. Mm. Um, Anyway, after the trials went through and I was told I was too short, I was, um, I was, I was a bit demotivated. I felt a bit, a bit, a bit pissed off, really, with the, with the politics in rugby. And that there was, I was too short and that the, the selecting board, one of the parents was on the board. So that got in the way as well. And I thought, I know how I can play rugby for England. I'm going to join the Royal Marines. So that was my next ambition, my next focus, to, to become a Royal Marine. And that's what drove me on for uh, many hours of training, many hours of solitary training. A lot of my friends were drinking, going out, seeing girls. I was the kid in the bedroom doing press-ups. I was out doing eight-mile runs. I was you know, jumping into rivers freezing cold. <laughs> and that was the mental stimulus. I mean, a, lot of, a lot of my training I do now, a lot of training I teach, is I do um, mental and physical conditioning for tasks. Yeah. So I've got, uh, currently I've got a female... A female client who wants to join the fire brigade and i'm teaching her to have replications of five firefighting training yep. so I've, al- I've always done it and um you don't find many 18 year olds jumping in the river seven mm-hmm. um just because it's something that i might have to do when i go into basic training and that was my mindset get used to it now and then it's easy so yes. all this is going ahead all this is going well training mm-hmm. was going well i was I was built like a brick shit house. So I was fit. So I was knocking out 80 press-ups in two minutes. The physicality of it was fine because I had a very physical job building marquees. Yeah. So effort was going really well. And then I'd done my interview. Um, I was waiting for my letter to come through to say, this is your you know, your, 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 PR, your PRMC joining date down at Limpstone. So I was waiting for that letter to come through. And in 2006, April 23rd, I think it was, um, I died. I had a, a massive car crash. I got hit by a lorry doing 32 miles an hour, and he was weighing about 28, 30 ton. Um, and I nearly killed two other guys. Um, the accident happened because a lorry was coming along the road outside Bath and West Showground. Yeah. And there's a lay by on the left hand side. And there was a burger bar there, and the driver of the lorry recognized the two vans, uh, both working for Walls at the time, and he waved at the other driver. I thought he was letting me out, and he flashed his lights. And because it's a lay-by with a burger bar, I thought he's coming for his lunch. So me and my passengers, we thought, oh, he's, he's letting us out. He wasn't. He hit the lorry, um, a taco cart at 32 miles an hour. Okay. Um, it, pushed, it pushed us 200 meters up the road.
0: So um, the side of your
1: the van, yeah. So yeah. if you know a Ford, if you know a Ford Transit, if you look at the the driver's seat, twelve inches behind the driver's seat is where the side of his lorry hit the van, and uh, it pushed the driver's seat out of its brackets and pushed it, covering the bench seat next to it. The impact um, cracked the chassis and the gearbox mounting bolts. So that was how big of a crash it was, and. Thankfully, by the grace of the universe or God or something like that, however you want to word it, there yeah. was an off-duty there was an duty paramedic there. And uh um, basically he just thought, well, the driver's dead. There's no way he's gonna the driver's gonna survive that. And he only kinda came round to me after he noticed I had blood pumping from my head. Um obviously pumping blood means you've got a heart rate.
0: Your heart is going, yeah.
1: Yeah. So I was like, wow, okay. Um, didn't know anything about this at the time. Um, the the two guys next to me, uh, one of them was pushed out of the van. Uh, he was classed as walking wounded. And the other guy, um, he was pretty badly beaten up himself, but he was a very big guy, big um, ex-bodybuilder, huge guy. And um, he was in a critical condition as well. So... I spent five days in intensive care at uh, Royal Bath University Hospital, um, and they five are days. absolute sense. Yes. Yeah, five days. I was unconscious for four of those days yeah. um, with small memory glimpses. So, when they say they can hear you, even though they're unconscious, it's absolutely true because when I was kind of coming around, I could hear noises, I could recognize voices, um, but I couldn't communicate in any way. And the doctors and staff, when my family arrived, were basically told, go and say goodbyes, because he's not coming back. Um, If he makes 24 hours, great. If he makes 72, fantastic. Anything longer than that. And uh, he's an incredibly lucky person. Um, I spent a total of eight weeks in hospital. And um, I came out, and I had uh, something called a hero syndrome. I don't know if you've heard of that. No, Basically, it's, it's where somebody builds a, a, a part of the brain which will make them a hero. So obviously heroes, they go in and they save the day and they make situations right. where they are in peril and they survive. Um, there were some stories about people in Ireland and the forces suffering with this, this condition where they would survive massive IEDs or bomb blasts or gunshots, and they've suddenly felt they were uh, immortal. They couldn't be hurt. And okay. That's what happened to me. So, because I had this massive crash, um, and I survived, I felt I was gifted. I felt I was, you know, you know a, a living god, um, which only goes so far. <laughs> is that is that useful? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, okay. yeah, yes and no. Yeah. If you can if you can build it in the correct way, which I've done over the years, then yeah. yes, it's very useful. But if you use it in the wrong way, then you become an arrogant twat, um, to which I did. Which right. my dad reminds me of regularly. So,
0: <laughs> so therefore,
1: yeah. So when I was um, when I realised all of, I, I basically after the crash and when I came round and all this all this really good stuff, um, you know, I I didn't know what to do. I'd just been told the one thing i have been working towards for two years has suddenly been shipped away from me, and the doctor said you will never join the forces. You will never be able to get back in again. You'll never be able to do rugby or boxing or anything like that. And, and
0: <laughs> what, your body... what was that? Was, was it your back?
1: Or... Uh, yeah, I've got uh, torn lower back muscles. Well, I'll wring the injuries off. Um, <laughs> I've got a two, a two and a half inch gash to the top of my head. i uh, got my scar for that. I had three broken ribs, uh, a punctured lung where my rib went into my lung. I've, I had a bruised heart, punctured lung, bruised kidney, bruised liver, um inflamed spleen, torn lower back muscles, <laughs> impact impact right hip, impact right knee, um torn ligament shoulder, torn ligament tendons in my right shoulder, impinged I've still got impinged nerve in my right shoulder, um trauma to my spine, so I've got a slight onset of scoliosis. Um and I'll have a limp for the rest of my life, only a very subtle limp. Um, and I'll have backache and I'll have shoulder ache for the rest of the day. So when it's cold and wet, it's it's a bit like um, being a 90-year-old man. Um, so yeah, and um, torn abdominal muscles as well. So the impact really shot it. Um, but the concluding part was the fitness. The doctor said the only reason you survived is when your parents came in and told us you'd uh, just apply for Royal Marines. Your heart could take it. Only just it was on the cusp um, another half a mile an hour, you know, two more inches to the to the right, and I would have been killed. But it was almost like the perfect storm that the crash happened in the perfect situation, and my body was perfectly designed to to cope. And it was on its cusp. It was. It was. My heart could tolerate the hundred and ninety beats for a sustained amount of time. Only just, but it could wow. sustain it.
0: I, I just um, I, want, I want to dwell on that point a bit because we did on the, on the phone call. And I think just because it's a story that I've heard a lot from people who've survived things um, like this, uh, the guy who interviewed me for the original modern man podcast, my, one of my best friends, uh, Dan Sarkozy he's a professional boxer um, who, who suffered from a stroke at this time last year um, or multiple strokes and ended up having open heart surgery in, in the summer. Again, the speed of recovery, the fact that you survived, um, you know, and it's something I hear time and time again from fit and strong people that the doctors say, do you know what? It was your level of fitness. your yes. the strength of your heart um, has enabled you either to survive something like that or enabled you to recover quickly and and yes. a, at a higher level to what, to what most people. And I think that's just something that's completely missed, it's a really, really, really good reason to be fit and strong, yeah. isn't it? That it Absolutely. can save your bloody life. Like, in, like Yes. It will, that saved your life. The training that you did yes. and the level of fitness that you had achieved um, has given you life.
1: It has. It gave me everything. People, um, I'll come back to the second part of the story, but um, people say you spend so much time in the gym. You're always out running. You're always doing this. You don't have a life. And you go, no. <laughs> I've, I have more of a life than you do. Mm-hmm. I socialize with people who are on the same mission as me. I spend my time running around with my grandkids while you sit and watch them run around. I spend time out with my family walking around the hills, seeing fantastic sunrises or sunsets while you're sleeping, snoring your ass off. I have more of a life. I am more outgoing, I'm more confident, I'm more ambitious, I'm more disciplined in my activity and my actions. And what do you do? You sit at home and watch your standards and then you're a Facebook warrior saying how you know crap your life is. <laughs> and that's the difference because people who yep. don't understand the freedom a healthy and fit physical activity lifestyle gives you, they never understand it because they're not prepared to change. And people who aren't prepared to change will go stagnant. And once they go stagnant, getting them going can be very hard. And I've got a little point I'll say a bit later on about that. Um, but after the the crash, and once I dealt with it for a few months, and I realized all my ambitions, all the hard work I put in was gone, mm. that sent me down a very dark spiral.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. And,
1: uh, I'd never been out the country. I've been to Ireland. I've been to you know Wales and stuff with work, just, just working around the UK, and um, been around all around the UK, traveling and stuff, and I'd never been away, so... I remember coming home one day, I said to my dad, because I had all this money saved up, I had about seven grand saved up for the Royal Marines? And um, I said to my dad, I said, Dad, I'm uh, I'm going traveling. He's like, Where are you going? I went to Australia. If Tommy never been on a plane before, I was like, I know. So I'm going to go on and get on a Jumbo 747 and flight to Australia. And my dad was like, Okay, you sure? I was like, Yeah, I got a ticket. Right, when do you go? I fly out November the tenth. Right. Okay. Um and I've been drinking quite a bit in between this as well. And I'd gone back to work for a few months, but I couldn't do what I used to do. I couldn't lift anywhere near what I used to lift.
0: Yeah.
1: And I suddenly became very sheltered and very secluded and I came became very angry at the world. Um because I blamed everybody and everything. Um but now looking back it was my fault. Uh, I should have waited longer to see if a lorry was going to stop and come in, but I didn't. And thankfully my two passengers survived and myself, but I went to Australia with one sole mission to not come back. Um, I can't, I'm not someone who can physically hurt themselves and I, I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. But I tried to drink and I drank a lot and I had, when I went to Australia at the time, it was nearly a two to one ratio. So, I had over £7,000, I had nearly, I think, $13,000. I could tell you pretty much where I spent the $13,000 <laughs> um, on uh, buses and planes and bars. I think when I went there, I think the Australian economy went up a little bit. Um, and I did. I tried, literally tried to drink. Um, and I didn't care if I woke up in the morning. Uh, if I couldn't afford a bench, I'd sleep on the floor. Uh, if I couldn't afford the floor, i just where I landed, yeah, and um, yeah, and I woke. I've woken up in the morning, shivering cold, and cities like Brisbane or Sydney or uh, Surface Paradise and places like that coastal towns. They, they're freezing cold at night, and they're they're very cold. And I've woken up shivering, and I've searched my pockets for bits and pieces, and you know, found I've lost my wallet or I've lost my uh, my my cash, and I've sort had to go somewhere and do stuff. And I just woke up. Splash my face with some water. Waited till to 10 o'clock and we found another bar to go and sit in for the rest of the day. And, uh, I'm not proud of it. <laughs> uh, believe me, that's a lot of money to spend on the pissing in the wind. Um, and I was at a very low point and I've very thankfully, and I've got some amazing people. Um, I've got cousins, second cousins out in Australia and I ran out of money by this point. And, uh, I just about managed to scrape enough money to get to Tasmania from Melbourne. And I stayed there. I was only go for a week, but I ended up staying there for a month. And uh, my uncle, my second cousin, Bruce, he's a New Zealander. Yeah. And uh, Claire's British. So Claire's a, Claire's a relation. And um, so New Zealanders are renowned for drinking. And <laughs> Ben, uh, my, my best friend in the entire world, he's the same age as me. So we are both drinking. And I thought, right, I got free booze. This is like a free pass. As long as I'm up in the morning and I can, you know, help out on the farm, they're happy. So I did. Yeah. I drink a lot in the evening. I go fishing with Ben. I go fishing with Bruce. The next day, I get up. and I do a few hours' work, and then we you know, and that's how it worked. And I was drinking a lot, and I, I got to seventeen stone at one point, point. and wow. um, I was just in a, as a wreck. I was just physically a wreck. But because I was actually starting to do something active. Helping out on the farm, um, picking weeds, mowing the grass, um, picking picking fruit and vegetables, and uh, digging holes, and actually being active. My heart rate got up a little bit, and I started to feel good about stuff because yeah. I could, I could, I was tending to the land, and I was touching the earth. And there's a lot of stuff about people say about you know walking around barefooted and things, and actually being part of the ground. And I think there is some truth to that um and it did it, it kind of made me recollect my thoughts I thought well I can't do anything I can't drink myself to to death um despite trying uh, I kept waking up like covered in piss and vomit and I woke up one morning I just went enough enough as we discussed on the phone I got to a point where I went enough so
0: what one of the things that um I've learned in the training that I've done with, with NLP and hypnosis and understanding about the unconscious mind is that one of, one of its prime directives is it well, one of the things your unconscious mind actually has a blueprint of your body and your physicality in perfect health yes one of the things it will always try to do and remind you is to try and bring you back to that and if you have it once you've experienced yourself in peak condition um, or or once you 've been really really fit or really really strong at any point in your life your uh, your unconscious mind takes a snapshot of that and remembers how amazing that felt and actually, Ooh. people who have been there and done that will often even i mean you 'll look at ex professional athletes who really completely go to pot sometimes um the there will be something in the back of your mind nagging you all the time, going, yeah. nah, "This isn't us. This isn't you. This is not where we want to be." Some people listen to it. You can shut it out, um, but sometimes like, it sounds to you like, like you kind of like reconnected with that. Once you start training just a little bit, your unconscious mind will be like, "Yes, mm. this is what we're supposed to be doing," um,
1: yeah.
0: um, and will make it easier for you to, to reconnect.
1: Absolutely, um, but even though like. And building on from that, when I when I got back to the UK, um I'm actually I actually had two St Patrick's Days. Um I had one in Australia in <laughs> Sydney, uh, which was amazing. I went out for breakfast and I had about a hundred dollars in my pocket and I ended up going to the pub and drinking well, I had to get to get a free T shirt, a Sydney St Patrick's Day t shirt, I had to drink ten pints. Wow. <laughs> so that was fine. So I fla- so I flattened ten pints and that was all my money gone then. Um
0: But you got a T shirt?
1: I got, I got a T-shirt for it. You got it? Uh, I think somewhere I've got it somewhere. I'm <laughs> sure I have. Um, and then basically, I got I got on the plane. How I got through Australian customs, I don't know. They probably thought, yeah, he's a student. He's out on the piss. He's drunk. He'd get on a plane.
0: Well, you were leaving. Um, so that's what they yeah. cared about. Is that what we're getting? <laughs> yeah. <about?
1: laughs> yeah. Look how bad he is. But uh, yeah, so I got back to the UK and I landed at um, about eight o'clock in the morning. So by the time my dad had picked me up from a sh- uh, from, a sh- from a Heath Road. And we got back to home in Gloucester. Um, the pubs were open. And uh, I texted my mate. I said, mate, I'm back. And he just texted back, pub? And I was like, yes. Got to my local pub in uh, Hartbury. And uh, you had to drink 10 pints of Guinness to get a free T-shirt. <laughs> 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 so I had two Sir Patrick's days, the T-shirts um, on the same day. So that was pretty impressive. And before nighttime. Uh, so that was my last that was my last big drink that 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 for me was kind of like uh, uh, right, this has got a stop change situation. Yeah. and um, that that was kind of that. and uh, I remember thinking to myself I, I generally do remember thinking to myself, I was lying in bed and I was sober, I've been home a couple of months. I was getting back into work and everything felt like I was lifting a ton. No, nothing was easy. everything hurt. I mean like physically and mentally, everything hurt but I knew I had to do something. And I remember, we always remember the best session we've ever had. We always remember the heaviest weight. We always remember the furthest we've ran. We always remember something.
0: Hmm.
1: And I thought to myself, I, I, I'm not going to be able to do that. And I thought, i got to start somewhere. So I just remember thinking to myself, well, I've got to start from zero. I have to start from zero. And zero, zero, zero is nothing. You can't, you know, and um I remember going to the gym. I joined the gym. Um and I walked in and I did and just live me. I did four press ups. I rode five hundred meters in about three minutes <laughs> and I swam twenty five meters.
0: Nice.
1: And that was all I could do. I slept probably the rest of the afternoon for that after doing that. Um, <laughs> and that was a shock from having a level of fitness that was preparing for raw marine training where I was swimming nearly two miles a session and I was uh, two miles over a week sorry um, to press ups like there was never tomorrow I was running with boots on running a weight on swimming in rivers and all that sort of stuff to doing that that sent me on another spiral and I was like no I've, I, I can do this I've done it once I can do it again and I just knew I had to do something. So I went back to very basic foundation training. Exercises, which is so monotonous and boring, but they are the foundations. And when I teach people coaching fitness now, I tell them, I don't care what your current fitness level is. If it's really high, fantastic. If it's absolutely nothing, don't worry. I can build on that.
0: What, so what was what that? What were those exercises?
1: Press up. Yeah. Simple. Press up a squat yes a lunge yeah and a shoulder press
0: nice hmm, interesting that was it i had Just. this discussion in another men's forum the other day and mine, mine were like that so when i when i coach clients one of the first things i do is give them a morning routine um yeah. whether i'm coaching them with money relationships whatever uh morning routine is really really important for me and and, and it's for me, for, for guys, press-ups, squats, crunches, um, yeah. water. That's kind of like your yeah. f- fundamentals. There's some li- just really basic yeah.
1: movements. It is. It's the, it's the foundation of everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, every exercise stems from a – most groundwork stems from a press-up. Most legwork stems from a squat. Yeah. Um, so you build on that, and you can introduce all the numerous exercises after. But if you can't get a basic press-up perfect, you're yeah. not doing a press-up. Uh, because of the standard of training I had in my mind and the standard of training I'd been around, so my my brother he was a uh, he uh, trained Royal Marines, my eldest brother he was um county triathlon, my dad had always been a very fit physical man, yeah, um, I'd always played good level rugby, so I had a very high standard in my mind. So what I did is I went out and I brought the Royal Marine exercise book. I've still got it, yeah, and I read it. And I looked at the pictures and I studied how I did it. And I, um, YouTube wasn't about, funnily enough, when I was doing this. So I had to do all the stuff through books. I know that's how old I am. Um, and I built my fitness up from just doing simple press-ups. From, and my middle brother would give me some exercises to do. And he was quite crafty. There's a few things he did which are, which are quite funny stories. Um, so I was doing basic press-ups, basic squats, basic lunges. I needed a weight bar but my brother said you can't use mine so I was like okay I'll go and get my own and I said how did you get it back from Gloucester and he just went I carried it I was like okay so I went to Argos in Gloucester brought a weight set uh, 55, 55 kilos of weight and a, a bar and I walked to the bus stop about two miles away and then I walked from the bus day, bus stop of my house back to my house which is again about a mile away um, but it was waiting back and ill-prepared, you know, two years ago, I'd have done a piece of piss. But that was absolute torture for me. And I saw my brother, and he said, "I'd get back? I said, like, I walked back. He went, you're an idiot. He goes, I walked to the car. And I was like, you git. And he would, like, play on stuff with me um, because he would challenge me mentally and physically because of what he'd been through. And yeah. he would just slip things into me because he knew I would take it to the extreme. I'm a person of the extreme. I'll either not do it or do it at all. And I'll go the absolute extreme level of it. So I started from one, one press up, one squat, two lunges, one left leg, one leg, right leg. And then I had a weight bar of, um, I think, 20 kilograms. And I would do deadlift deadlift the waist, flick it up the shoulder, press it up the head, down. And I would just go, right, tomorrow I'll do it again. Tomorrow I'll do it again. And every week I added one rep to every exercise. Nice. until i felt stronger and then i started doing pyramid work so i do one mm. one two one two three right. one two three four and i'd go as high as i could and then i'd start introducing some running so i'd run to the end of my road up a hill which is about a mile away so i run up to the top of the hill run back again that was a mile and then i go right i'll go to the next lamp post up and i go to the next house because i lived in the country well you working go- as well at this point as well I was back working full-time, yes. Yeah. So I was working a physical job, but I was doing these extra bits and pieces. Um, and it was back in the physical job of what I used to build a uh, marquee. Uh, very physical job, and I still couldn't do what I used to do. I was having to ask for help, which bugged me even more. And the question you said earlier about asking for help, I'm terrible at it. Um I've everything on my own. And it was always in my head, and this is a training mantra I have now, I always just do one. So rather than think, I'm going to do 100 press-ups, yep. and then I'm going to do one press-up, yep. and another one, 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 and one more, one more, one more, one more, one more. One more. And you just keep going up. Because if you keep adding one, it's one more than I did last time. Yep. If you're doing a – like I used to do a lap uh, where I used to live so like as a loop, and I'd run one more loop. That loop was one mile, or about one mile. So I'd add one more loop to my run. I never thought one more mile, one more loop. Um, if I was lifting weight, I'd go, I'd add one more set. I'd add one more plate. And I rather, and that's the only way I could keep it sensible. And it's only way I could really develop it, starting from one. And it took a long time, but after about a year... I decided that, okay, I'm going to reapply for the Royal Marines, which was fun Um, (laughs) because it was the same careers guy I saw. And uh, he said, how are your injuries? Because I walked in and told him what happened. And he's like, I said, they're fine. I'm fully fit. No problems. I'm absolutely beast mode. You know, I'm rah. And uh, he's like, yeah, no, go away. (laughs) So I went away got a bit fitter, came back again, started playing rugby again, started boxing again, Um, feeling like myself. That blueprint was coming back to me. I was lifting heavy. I was back in the gym training four times a week. I was swimming about a mile a time, and I was getting my groove back. I was feeling good, losing weight, getting the build, getting the structure, and that belief and that sense of determination and that sense of power was coming back. And I walked back in the career's office, I said, I'm joining the Royal Marines. I have to. It's the only thing keeping me going right now. And he said, mate, no. Uh, we are waiting listed. The recession's kicking in. What We're hell? waiting. There's a We're waiting there. list to join the Royal Marines. Yeah, well, the recession kicked in 2008. Yeah. Um, and there was a waiting list for a lot of guys, you know, bits and pieces like that. So I was yeah. like, okay. I said, what can I do? And he said, the best thing you can do is join the army. I thought, I don't want to join the army. Um, and I went, okay. So I went to the army and um, had a conversation and I told him about the crash and stuff. He said, mate, to be honest with you, join the reserves first. Go into the go into six rifles. So I was like, all right, if that's what I've got to do, that's what I've got to do. Because in my head, I was still, I'm going to join the Royal Marines. And I went to the six rifles, didn't declare any of my injuries. Um, just basically put, just put fully fit, no problems. And um, and I passed all that, went through all that, and uh I was always the loner. I didn't make friends because I didn't want to become attached to anybody. I would literally get in, back in the career's office, join the Royal Marines. Um, and by this point, about five years had passed. And I'd actually met my my now wife. I met her just as I finished training uh, up in Binkatarig. Um, we had a birthday at uh, mutual friends at the time. And um I was still applying for the Royal Marines, even though I'd been with her for nearly a year. Um, and I was a PTI uh, as well. So I was very fit. I was back to where I was where I was comfortable. It had taken a very long time, taken nearly four years for me to build myself back up again. And the hero syndrome, that came into play because I'd use it correctly. So I would use a situation that would make me the hero. So I'd have to run to a certain destination to get somewhere to help somebody. I'd have to lift a car off somebody. I'd have to do all these play these scenarios in my head. So whenever I was doing weight training, I had a situation in my head where I had to be the hero. If I was out running, I had to run somewhere to be the hero. And it was always that that mindset of, if I don't get there at this time, someone's going to die." die. And the problem with that was, it took you to dark places because the darker the fall, the more power I had, the more aggression I had. Yeah. And I would use aggression to get me through a lot of stuff. And I'd use it in my fitness because I knew aggression was a part of the Royal Marine lifestyle. Fast forward a few years, basically got told to leave the army, uh, this because I wasn't fit enough. So I couldn't go on a 2010 parrot tour. That was pretty demoralizing. Because I was the fittest guy in the squad, um, but there were reasons for that. My shoulder, and my back were playing me up, and after a few more years, I was teaching for British Military Fitness, um, helping people get fit. I was really enjoying it, but in my mind, I was falling apart again because I couldn't right. fulfil any of my ambitions.
0: So, so you, would, you, so you, you hadn't created any new goals. You were still hung up on an old goal that was kind of redundant just because it was yep. literally impossible for you to succeed and achieve yep. that goal um yep. but you were still trying to cling on to it or you just hadn't replaced it i guess
1: i hadn't replaced it and i still haven't um okay it's still it's still there now and i and i use it to actually keep me going because um, it's the it's a it's a it's a force it's a power it's a discipline it's an energy it's a focus um that i use very carefully to get me to do stuff um but in two thousand and fifteen um I had a crap job. I was earning very good money, but it was a horrible job. I was basically a cleaner I was meant to be doing maintenance yeah and um but by this point, I was very fit again. I was swimming regularly I was doing two mile swims open water sea swimming in um Bristol water park <laughs> and uh <laughs> the um oh <Net> yeah. <laughs> Mad Mike, absolute yes. legend. Love him, love him. But um, Mad Mike, uh, he spoke to me and he said, do you want to build an assault course? And I was like, you're nuts you are. Didn't think anything else of it. And then a year later, I'm back again. And by this point, my head had completely gone. I was having counseling for the first time. right? Um, and my head had gone completely. I was drinking again. I was becoming quite aggressive with myself. So my training had elevated to the point I was, what the counsellor said. You are, you are a typical self-harmer. All the wow. things you are showing and demonstrating, you are using, but you use it by actually lifting the weight or going for the runs. So I was doing like five thousand meters at individual best effort, and I was getting down to like you know seventeen minutes, and I was absolutely wow. slaughtering my body because I had so much aggression. Yeah, I had so much anger. And I had trained my mind to be a hero, but I could never express it. And I could never fulfill it. I could never have that environment of being like um, under fire, under stress, you know, mates and comrades around me. So I've always been a loner. I've never had friends or never had many friends because I've always been solely focused on one task. Yeah. Um, So I had no one to talk to, I had nowhere to go. I had all this aggression. And the only thing I knew was to get fit so i was lifting ridiculous i was training ridiculously hard and i was drinking and i was back drinking every night you know a couple of bottles of wine bottles of spears and ciders and i was drinking regularly and um and mike actually said to me a second season he was do you want to build an assault course i went yeah go on and and i literally just left a reasonably comfortably paid job (laughs) it was it was shit though. I mean, the job itself was shit because I was cleaning toilets. 27 toilets every day for two hours and it just wow. broke. Okay. It broke. It was six months and it broke me. Uh, I could have been a raw Marine in the time it took me to do that. Um, and um, So I built this assault course with Mike and Mike is, if you get to know him, he is an absolute legend. Um, and he has helped me a lot over the years mentally. And I've just now got to a point where... I know when people say, I'm not very fit. And I just go, that's okay. Mm. No problem. Do you want to be fit? Well, not really. Well, don't worry about it. Or they go, yeah, I actually, I want to, you know, I need to be fitter. I was like, what for? And I'll question and I'll am determine really if they are saying it because they want to or saying it because they know I'm an XPT, PT or they know I'm an um, this, that, and the other. Or they're just genuinely interested. And my story is just one from always being a loner, from trying to kill myself by drinking to rebuilding my fitness and health and understanding that the mental capacity of our minds is phenomenal. It's untapped. It's never used. And it's only by people who have been through elite-level training who have been through um, focus training? So, like your boxing, where you have a single soul focus to to get in that ring, to fight, to prepare yourself, to mentally and physically be conditioned for that situation. Um, and it is possible. You haven't got to start from a fitness level. You can just start from zero.
0: Start from anywhere. Yeah,
1: yeah. And it's it's opening that mindset. And over the years, if I haven't learned something about human traits, I wouldn't I wouldn't be very clever. And um, I've I've learned over the years that there are there's more than this, but there are mostly there's three categories of people who do fitness. And the first category, people who have been told by a professional you need to do something, otherwise you're going to have like heart disease, diabetes, or obesity, or you can't have a certain operation. And they have been told by a professional you need to do something, you need to start being fitter and healthier. And they're the category ones. Category twos are much like yourself and myself, other people. We've just always been active. We've been active for five years plus. We've, we embrace fitness. We enjoy fitness. We enjoy what it gives us. And we're happy to play around with stuff, but we're, we're disciplined enough to actually have a focus.
0: Yes.
1: And then category three, these are the, the, these are the amazing people. These are the people who are inspiring. um, they're the people who fall into fitness. They, they're they the ones who were invited to um, a spinning class by a friend to support their friend in, in a spinning class. And after a few sessions, their friend quits. But the person who was the invitee actually keeps going. Yep. And they start yeah. to really enjoy. Fitness. <laughs> they start to embrace it. And then... And then they start to recognize it. And then they start to feel good from it. And then they start to feel powerful. Then they start to feel disciplined. Then they feel fit. And then they have this emotion of, wow, I'm actually pretty good at this. I'm really enjoying this. I'm only going spinning twice a week. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spin three times a week. Or I'm going to go to that running club I've always wanted to go to the past 20 years, but never wanted to because I never thought I was fit enough. Now I think mm-hmm. I'm fit enough. So I'm gonna go to a, and they go for this massive mind change. And all of a sudden, they're at the running club. And they're running and they're the last person. But suddenly they're in the middle of the pack. And then suddenly they are still doing the spin, they're doing their running. So a natural progression, they go swimming. And then the swimming comes into it. And then they're doing triathlons. And then they're doing like Olympic racing and they're getting medals and t-shirts and they're getting recognition. They're getting recognized by people. And suddenly they're doing Iron Men. And you think it's wow. That you know you fell into fitness, fitness didn 't find you, you found fitness by pure chance because you said yes to an opportunity to go to a spin class mm. and suddenly look at you now, three, four years down the line you 're at this amazing level of fitness or you 're doing this amazing thing, or they 've inspired others to do it, well, and I, well, think three, that, yeah. <laughs> I think the
0: category
1: yeah, I think the category free people are the ones who have the, the the inspiration behind them, and they have that focus and drive because. They are the ones who can inspire the most. I'll inspire a few people to do something amazing, hopefully, and to push and challenge themselves. But for the ones who just go to support a friend who suddenly do something they never thought they could do, that is a quite a powerful thing. It is.
0: So I kind of the 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 link between Physical and and mental health. There, and I'll, I'll just really, really quickly fire you past like yeah. my story and where and where it hits with that. So I woke up probably I think it's about seven years ago now. Um, I was 120 kilos, uh, well over 30 percent body fat. Um, I was fit before that in my younger years, but I'd fallen into sort of middle aged, middle class, suburban uh, businessman shape. <laughs> yep years in Spain of eating and drinking and um, I woke up one morning felt my stomach resting on my lap and decided something had to happen <laughs> so i started training started boxing uh, with the focus to, to get in and have a fight uh, which my coach wouldn't let me do wouldn't even talk to me about it wouldn't even respond to me when I was saying I want to fight um, until I'd gone through some pretty drastic changes I changed my diet I'd gone from just training within once a week uh mm. not really seeing a lot of progression and it was only when I sh- sh- changed what i was doing outside of the training where the the impact really hit home i i, I it was my diet i read um uh the uh, the four hour body the river, yes probably right the four hour work week and um clout no, no no sugar no carbs no no starch uh, no dairy and over a period of about Four, five, six months. I got down to under a hundred kilos. That was my first thing. And once I'd done that, Dan said, "Okay, we can talk to you, talk about you having a fight now. Train, you can start training properly." Uh, I've seen what you've the determination yep. uh, that you, that you had, and that just fed into every single other aspect of my life. Uh, my word of the year, I've written it up here on my on my board i need to bring back really is consistency and yeah. i remember the, the beautiful thing about training and having a goal uh, like 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 a fight someone asked me this yesterday what is it that you that you love why do you love do it, doing that why do you want to fight again this year and i was like the, almost the simplicity of it where you you have a plan yeah. you have a structure you can see what you have to do and all you have to do is just go out and nail it and when you go out and nail it and push yourself you see the improvements, they're visible, you can feel them, you can see them in the scales, you can see them in your physical presence. But more importantly, physically, when you get to super cyan or whatever it's called, <laughs> you know, when you're on fire, when you're there, when you're yeah. at your peak and, and, and yeah. you know it, that filters into absolutely everything else uh, yes. in life and that consistency, you're like, right, well, I'm going to the gym consistently in order for me to to fit in my training everything else has to be consistent everything else has to be organized otherwise it'll eat into my gym time I won't be able to go yeah and and I've never I've I've never lost that and I've always appreciated it and which is why it's my my word because I've kind of slipped away a little bit from it um I've always maintained my fitness but it hasn't been consistent and consistency is where you hit hit the gains isn't it absolutely consistent action
1: yeah, I, could, I, could, um, I say with, my, with my, uh, my members, I tell them it's um, you have to be consistent above all. You have to have a goal above all. Um, and you have to have an end game as well. But the end game can always move and shift and move around a little bit as long as it's always within what you want to achieve. Um, and I say to my swim members, and I, I push it very hard, I say you must raise your standards. Yeah. if you cannot raise your standards you will never achieve anything and it's the same with that that filters through into life if you're consistently good at your job you'll get some you know some recognition but if you raise your standards uh, you'll probably get more recognition and possibly promotion and if you're self-employed you know I could sit back and just let life come to me but I'll have low standards I'll take anybody on But now I am like, no, my standards are here. This is what I standardize myself at financially. This is the money I need to make. So this is my standard of living I want to achieve. So by doing that, I have to get good quality customers. I have to get good consistency customers. I have to build my standards up so that when I'm teaching and coaching these people, they are getting the best quality standard of training that I can offer them. And then they get that back in their life. They go, well, I'm raising my standards all the time now. And if you can if you can raise your standards only by one percent, and just be a you know if you can be fifty one percent better than you always are, you're gonna be better. Um, if you can keep that consistent, you're going to improve. Yep. And if you can keep your mental game, the mental side of it can be hard because obviously life challenges you constantly. And you know we I've got a little and now fourteen month old, and he no, he can change the challenge. Can, <laughs> He can change our day at the drop of a hat. Yeah. Um, so, my wife and I, we have to try and have a, a structure. So yeah. we have to try and have we have a very broad structure now, and it's we we plan for change and we plan for it to move, and we expect it to. And yep. something else which I've I've learned over the years again is when, when people start fitness or start trying to progress themselves, if you can go deep enough into their mindset, you can, you can work out maybe three or four common traits they ever they ever want significance they want to be significant to other people around them maybe they've been challenged by somebody Hmm. and they want to be able to you know sort of say to them i'm as good as you um and they want people to look at them sometimes and say oh my god you're really fit how did he do it that's amazing um some people you know they want control they might have a job where they are like, it, like I was in my job, I was out of control of my job. I didn't dictate anything I did. I was always told, do this, do this, do this. Uh, but with fitness, I could control that fitness. I could control my training. I could control my diet. I could control my mind. I had full control. And people go, I haven't got a massive focus, but I want to be in control of what I'm eating and how I'm feeling. So they do fitness. Uh, another trait of people I found as well is that they have a, you know, a sense of satisfaction from it or fulfillment or contentment. They they just enjoy being healthy and fit. They just yeah. enjoy that feeling. Yeah. Um, they've got a good balance of home life. They've got a good balance of working life. But they have that feeling of when they're not being active, they're not fully content. They need to have all three boxes ticked. Um, and they're the ones who are consistent in their day-to-day lives. And they just consistently... Do what they need to do and they just have a, a fulfilment that they're doing enough and they're happy in their own little way and that's really everybody's goal to just to find fulfilment in their work home and health I think that's something that which um, obviously a modern man is promoting um, in a fantastic way so yeah but that's all
0: we're right we are going to we're going to have to wrap it up now buddy let's yeah. um, so like, first of all, tell everybody how they can kind of like get in touch with you, where, where you're based, um, what sort of services you, you're offering. Have a little plug.
1: OK, um, so uh, I trade under All Aspect Fitness and uh, you can find me on Facebook or just literally contact me over uh, Messenger and I'll always reply. Um, and I condition everybody to whatever it is they, they're kind of requiring. Um, whether you've got no fitness and you want somebody who can empathize with that but will still push and challenge you whether you're looking for elevation of fitness then that's something I can offer as well Um, I don't just work you physically but I also try and challenge you mentally and I also coach and teach you. So I teach you about fitness. I teach you what anaerobic and aerobic systems are. And I teach you about energy systems. I teach you about muscles because then it makes sense. And once it makes sense, you can have more control. And once you get more control over it, you'll find a better method of doing something where you want to be. And it's just a vital part, I think, if you can teach people something. In their health and in their fitness, so they understand why they're doing it. Empowerment, so I've, I've seen, yeah. Empowerment—that's a, that's a lovely word. If cause I've, again, that's a kind of a military trait. Teach them to do something and make them understand why they're doing it. Yeah. Then it it comes through. I've seen PTs just say to people, "Oh, we're gonna just get you on a running machine for twenty minutes." And that's it's, what we do. They just literally, yeah, and they just walk yeah. off, and you, you just go, mate. So. Yeah, you know, and then you sort of say, "What's your goal? I want. I want to lift more weight. So why are you running? You know, it's um, <laughs> you know, you, you work on that. You work on the person, and I train the person, and that's where I get my fulfilment from. Now, that's where I get my satisfaction and my focus is by actually just training the person to be a better person. Um,
0: what what are the um, we got planned next year then.
1: Uh, my plans next year to get into more teaching. I'd love to do some a uh, bit more uh, sort of like workshops, talks. I'm going to start a workshop next year, which would be about how to have a healthy and physical lifestyle, how to find motivation. I'm starting that in Bristol, mm-hmm. um, so that would be quite a cool little thing. They will start off quite small, um, and then I'll start filling, filling stadiums in the next few years. <laughs> um, and then I'm also going to work on teaching in schools because I think if we can teach young people how to be just slightly healthier, and slightly fitter then that will take a lot of our daily stress away. Um, I currently work in a school full-time as a, as a caretaker. Mm-hmm. And This is the thing about flow I was going to say about very quickly, uh, Fidel. Um, when my wife fell pregnant and she went on maternity leave, I had to get a job to fulfill the, the loss of money we had. Yeah. So I got the nearest, quickest job I could, which was a caretaker job in a school. No ambition to be a caretaker ever. Um, but uh, what it's done is that uh, it's completely... Anywhere, nowhere, where I want to be. But after the year I've been with them, and I actually teach classes now in the school for teachers. I do um, uh, an hour of activity <laughs> for teachers a week.
0: Yeah,
1: they've the school have actually approached me and asked me if I can get involved with teaching the PE class. and teaching in the uh, the fitness and rugby teams, um, and it's it's if you just sometimes. Uh, life's like stepping stones that like go in the wrong direction now and again and if you can actually just trust that the job you've got might take you somewhere nearer where you want to be or bring stability in so you can do what you want to do Yeah. Um, and you can just flow with it and not stress about it and keep in mind your solid focus of what it is you want to achieve even though you might be going completely the wrong direction it's got to turn left sometime hasn't it and then you start coming back to where you want to be
0: well I, I, I think, think you're having a having your uh, vision and and knowing where it is you want to be once you've got that locked down life will will, it will take you there Um, yeah it's just um don't don't spend the time understanding where where it is they want to be uh and a lot of people will have that locked in completely the wrong place and wonder why life keeps taking them in the wrong direction
1: yes Um, and then you. you just gotta go the flow sometimes, um, and yeah. So next year, I'm gonna be doing a bit more, hopefully, more coaching. I took a new client on today, and the heart start really trying to get some workshops done. And I'm gonna hopefully uh, get to a tipping point financially where I can actually start doing what I do, what I love to do, full time. Um, okay. And that's really a, 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 a the next year's projects, and then the year after that um, will be a case of uh, raising my standards again and developing it business model and hopefully start I want to start building a little brand as myself and um you know if I can get in front of people and I can motivate people and I can get somebody doing something that'd be fantastic
0: whoop, whoop. Um, yeah and we're definitely going to talk business as well for next year um hopefully get get you involved with, with some of the stuff we're, we're doing with the modern man because I think you're a, a shining ambassador mate I think you tick <laughs> all the boxes for us and uh you embody what 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 we're all about uh with some really useful lessons so yeah, um course. it was brilliant to talk to you buddy uh, that is a, a fantastic story i think everybody can take something from that and um yeah looking forward to sharing it with with everyone yeah. it's exciting well
1: hopefully. <laughs> if it, if if it helps one person if it helps one one soul just to uh, be a bit more active then it was a it was a worthwhile story and uh indeed you know it, it's uh, yeah and everyone's got their own story Everyone can Find their way if they're ready to look for it. So just clear the fog. That's all you got to do.
0: I love that. Hi, <laughs> right, everybody! Thank you for joining us. No worries, it. mate. Thanks, everybody else, for for tuning in. Uh, you can download the Modern Man podcast on all the platforms now. We're on um, iTunes. We're on Spotify. We're on Google. Uh, we're on all of those good places. So download it, share it, subscribe. We've got some awesome guests coming up over the rest of the year. It's going to be on fire and keep your eyes out for the modern woman podcast coming soon with the wonderful Claire Russell as well. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah.